What's up, guys? Welcome to Three Brothers and a Shot of Milk. We are fans, we are geeks, we love comic books, superhero TV shows, sci-fi, fantasy, anime, video games. We love it all. We are kids at heart. I'm Lawrence St. Victor. Been a geek from birth. I still have my toys from 1983. Don't judge me. Um, we got Rich over here. This dude is not just a geek, but he brings the anime. He brings the video games. Rich, I beat my first video game with you as kids. Super Contra. Yeah. Let's oh, hope that we went to 30 lives. Anyway, Super Contra. Dude, my first time I beat a game. We got Chris. You're not going to meet a bigger Batman fan. As a matter of fact, for some strange reason, he started collecting throwing stars. <laughs> you have a grappling hook. Again, once again, these are facts. <laughs> and Jack, you're not going to meet a bigger Superman fan than Jack. This guy loves them. He knows dates. I mean, we, back in college, we would like finish. We went to acting school. We would finish like a play rehearsal at like 11 run to the dorm and just binge watch Smallville. Like that was our life. We, we, we diehard Superman fan right here. Um, welcome. Hey guys. So what's up? How's the week been? What are you watching? What are you reading? What's going on? Things are good, man. I can't complain. Uh, I'm watching, I just finished them on, uh, Amazon prime. Mm. So good. So good. Mm. Highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. Um, I'm reading Punisher, the Garth Ennis Punisher run. Uh, sometimes I'm not looking for depth. I'm not looking for characters to be, you know, to be conflicted of why am I a superhero or why should I do with these powers? I just want to see someone get down to business and that book scratches that itch for me. <laughs> it scratches that itch. So that's where I'm at. <laughs> Rich, what are you watching? What are you reading? What are you playing? Uh, really not watching anything in particular or reading anything. I've just been going back to the uh, Division 2, Tom Clancy's Division 2, mm-hmm. and just running through that. They added a few new content, and, you know, I'm just, just playing through that and seeing how, how, that, how that goes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Jackie boy? You know, I just watched this uh, Netflix series called The Irregulars, which is really similar to uh, the new HBO series called The Nevers. Um, so, yeah, you watching that? Yeah, I, I watched The Nevers, yes, yes, yes. I ran through that. Yeah, it's funny. It's, it's like similar kind of world content. You're like okay. in this, uh, they're both like 1800, turn of the century kind of era, steampunky vibe. Um, I and I couldn't, couldn't really decide which one I like better. I might like the the regulars better than the Nevers. WandaVision, Falcon, Winter Soldier, which <laughs> makes going on certain stuff in both. <laughs> which I'm sure is a conversation another time. We'll talk about that. <laughs> Comic books, I'm still reading this uh, Thor line, which is dope. If anyone's not reading this Thor line that's current right now, or I guess it's a few months old at this point, but I'm still catching up. Dope. It's dope. Black Winter. Hold uh, back. No, I'm going to check it out. Man, I have been catching up on my CW shows. You know, I love that stuff. I actually, I actually, I've been watching a lot of Batwoman. 
And a lot of people got something to say about it. But it's like, once you give over to what it says it's trying to be, and you don't come in with anything, you just come in with, I accept you for where you are, especially season two. I'm having a good campy time. How you feeling about the new Superman? Oh, we got to talk about that on a different... I, I, I watched every episode up into that. I highly recommend you guys have to watch so we can talk about it. Superman and Lois is pretty great. It's pretty great. And it still deals with the expectations of being on the CW and there's a certain brand they have, but even within that, and that's nothing, no knock against it. It is a very specific brand. It's really great. And I will say this might be arguably one of the best on-screen depictions of Superman we've ever gotten. I'm not comparing actors. I'm not saying the actor is better than Christopher Reeves or Henry Cavill. I'm talking about this on paper, like the way they wrote Clark Kent. Ah, you buy it. You buy this is a Midwestern guy. You buy that he has these values, but he rides the line between cheesy and Boy Scout, and it's all human. I'm not going to talk anymore about it. I want you guys to watch it, but that was definitely a watch of mine. Shay, my wife, was enjoying it. It's like... Friday Night Lights. It's like it's 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 a human family story, and the father so happens to be Superman. I couldn't I couldn't agree more. He's kind of a non-conventional cast when you think about Superman. Which yeah, it took me a minute to kind of warm up to him, but I, I agree the 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 way he's written and the way it's kind of depicted trumped it for me. Yeah, um, we won't go too much into it because I want you guys to check it out. We can talk about it, but that that was a very wonderful watch I can't wait for it I think it comes back soon you know the pandemic affected a lot of these the way these seasons have been um, being laid out but I'm enjoying a lot of the CW stuff you know I feel like we're such in a privileged time where we can like compare superhero shows and say which one's better like we used to have to wait like a summer every four years to get something like this and we get it like daily um as far as reading I'm about to go back and buy the big invincible volume one and start reading it again after seeing the series i thought it was it's got me going so oh, good. you know how much that comic is if you have the original comic it's a thousand dollar comic now dude uh here's some news here's the news so interesting thing going on guys shang chi that's coming out apparently is going to go straight to theaters which is mm. huge you know everything has been sharing um the streaming platforms and the movie theaters, Godzilla versus Kong was on HBO Max and the theaters at the same time. And I know that they pushed Black Widow back as far as they could. I think that's going to be released in theaters and streaming as well, I think. Yeah, and Disney Plus. And, you know, Marvel, it matters when they release things because everything right. is connected. So the fact that they're saying Shang-Chi is going to exclusively be in the theaters is like, wow, we're kind of getting back to reality and it also shows you their investment in this film. And if you saw the trailer, you're like, you want to see this on the big screen. That's kind of that's kind of cool that that they have that much invested in it. And hopefully, things will be safe enough to watch it comfortably. Um, another piece of news. Here's the news. Let me see right here. So okay, so Zack Snyder shared a screenshot of T. Car as Green Lantern, like he shot this like in his driveway, put up a little like green screen and shot what would have been the end of Justice League Snyder Cut. And he put out an image 
And those of you listening to this, go check it out online. I'm showing these guys a picture. John Stewart, Green Lantern. It looks good. It looks really it, good. It looks so good. And, you know, news came out recently that Zack Snyder and his relationship with Warner Brothers might be a little... Um, and I think he's like, I don't care. I'm going to show you guys every little idea I had. Um, and I think it's great. Like he's, he's finishing off his, his movie, whether it's on the screen, like he intended or just showing us images that John Stewart was great. I want to touch on this for a second. We don't have as much time as last time. We didn't talk about the Joker in the Snyder cuts. And I think we, 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 we can't not talk about that. I, no comparison to Heath Ledger, no comparison to anything. That nightmare sequence, I dug it. I dug it. Joker talking about giving Batman a reach around? Of course he was. And of course he would. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> um, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I mean, we got to we gotta say a little something about that part. I thought it was fantastic. And I'll show how powerful Superman is. Yeah, I just think um, you have a fantastic actor who was wasted in the previous movie. And they put him in a light. And, you know, there are different kinds. We all know the different kinds of Jokers. You have, you know, the Clown Prince Joker. You have the the Gangster Joker. You have the the Super Crazy Joker. If they're going to play the straight Gangster Joker, the, uh, the straight Gangster Joker like we saw in, like, Dark Knight Returns, play it. And I think they tried to straddle a line between too many different types, and it failed the first time. Right. And this time, it kind of came together for me. It worked for me. So I was yeah. happy to see that. I felt like Jared Leto was redeemed. He doesn't have to live in those memes where it's like, you, 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 not you. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, it's, I think it was cool. I think it was cool. Nah, yeah, I agree with that. I agree. Oh, I'm sorry. You going with Jack? Work? No, go, man. No, I said gentleman. I just said gentleman. Oh, okay. Gentleman. All right. All right. I'm sorry. I got offended. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, no. but yeah, I, I, I agree with Chris. That, like um, that, that, that first Jared Leto uh, Joker, I was just like, what we all doing with that? Hmm. But then, you know, they kind of just brought it all together with the, um, with the Snyder Cut one. I was like, I want to see more of him. That one right there. Let me get more of that. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. You know, like everything about him in the other movie just didn't work. Even from like the tattoos. Too self-aware. Too like too too tattoo. Ha ha. You're too self-aware. That's exactly right. You know, I was talking to a, a, a friend of mine who's just got tons of art done to him. And he was talking about how patient a person has to be to sit in a chair to get that level of artistry done on them. And this Joker's this Joker got it all over him. I'm like, that's a a good point. Very good point. It's a very good point. Yeah. So from ground up, just didn't kind of work for me in the in the other one. I did feel like redeemed in the Snyder cut. Yeah, and not to to knock the other movie, David. I think Air Air, the director. He had his vision messed up because there is there is a place where you can have that kind of Joker if the whole world is camp. Like if we're going rated R, Batman brave and bold, out there bonkers type situation, Deadpool situation where everything is heightened and everything is acid trip. But you can't ground it and then try to do that at the same time. You can't bring in Ben Affleck's Batman and then try to go 
you know, as a tribute. You kind of have to say, this is the world. It's almost a, a parody or a comment. Maybe that's what he wanted to do, and they pulled him back. I don't know. Um, you know, the other thing, he, he was, it, it was already at a deficit. You know, whatever was coming following Heath Ledger and what how all that went down was going to be almost nobody regardless was going to get a fair shake. So it, it took yeah. a little time and we needed that buffer to kind of get it out of the system regardless. Yeah. Yeah. And then we got the third Joker, which I think is amazing. Jack Nicholson is the gangster. Heath Ledger is the, in some ways, the clown prince of crime, right? He's the anarchist. He's, he's putting on the show. I'm going to prove to you guys how your system doesn't work. And in this movie, Jared Leto is the psycho serial killer. He's a car. What would you call Watkins? Hmm? Mr. Phoenix. That's right. He's not the Joker. That's not Joker. Nothing about him is Joker. He gets crazy at the end, but he's not... He's not the con prince of crime. He's not a criminal mastermind. He becomes a symbol. I think he inspires anarchy, but there's nothing about anything he's doing that... One thing about all the Jokers is that they're deliberate. It's either I'm deliberately insane, I'm just going to cut up people for fun, or I'm going to rob a bank and put a pie in the vault. I think Joaquin's is the idea... And maybe he inspired the Joker, or maybe he becomes the Joker later. But right now, we saw Arthur Fleck. But do, you that see the, do you see the seeds of of that particular Joker rendition turning into? I, I think that particular rendition has that. He can turn into all of them. He can turn like he, he that could be the beginning of a version of all of them. He can oh. he can turn into a gangster that has a following. You know, he can. Yeah, I think he. You, you're gonna see him. So you see the Killing Joke Joker. I think Joaquin Phoenix's Joker is gonna evolve into that Joker, the same mm-hmm. Joker we saw in the Killing Joke, where the mm-hmm. the plans that he has are not you know criminal genius plans. They're just diabolical, and they just want to hurt people just because because it, it, you know it falls under his own whatever code he has, whatever guide he has, whatever plan he has in his head. It makes sense to him. Only him and that's it. And he wants to punish the people who are against him. So it makes sense for him to evolve into that joke. Do you think that there's a world where you have a 70-year-old Joker and a 30-year-old Batman? That's interesting. Yeah. That would be the world. Yeah. I think you do because Joker is never known for his, you know, his hand-to-hand combat is not, is not, What's what he's known for? It's his plan. He's gonna be in bed seat. by like eight o'clock. Look, a lot of people can die before eight o'clock. <laughs> that should be the title of the next Joker. <laughs> a lot of people can die before eight o'clock. Uh, should be the title. <laughs> okay, let's um, let's move. Well, Rich, is there any? Let me ask you: Is there any video game news? Any any games coming out? Anything you got wind of? Oh man! I mean, it's a lot. Well, of things anything there, that you're excited about, you don't gotta. I mean, they're they're, they're far out there. There's not. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the Halo. Um, if that's coming out, we'll see. But mm. as of right now, like you got, you got the Call of Duties. Uh, oh, actually, the new Battlefield. 
<clears throat> that should be dropping in the Dia Trophy. That should be dropping in June, July. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, that's that's looking looking like it's gonna be pretty dope. Okay, okay. Well, what platform are you playing on right now? I'm on uh, I'm on an Xbox. But you don't have Microsoft, baby. You Microsoft, baby. No, you play in the Sony world. Listen. I got the Sony. You know, last time I turned that thing, that thing is crazy. Be careful, they, they might be a sponsor one day. Don't, don't, don't. Yeah. don't okay, don't I'm sorry. Listen, I love no. Sony. <laughs> I remember Sony from my childhood, but listen, I don't play it that much. It doesn't get that much burn. Fair enough. Um, let's get into the debate, and let's let's not let's make this as quick as possible so we can talk about Invincible. Who is the best on screen? Batman. I'm not talking about best actor, mm-hmm. not best movie. Which is the best portrayal of the Batman that we recognize from the comics? Kevin Conroy cannot be included. So no voice. No voice. Most people say he is the definitive Batman, so I'm taking him out of the equation to make it fun. Yeah, I think he has a record for most on air appear or most uh, Batman roles. Games, yeah, he's in everything. So we're taking him off the list. Who is the best Batman? Again, not the best actor. Okay. Hands down. Pure West. Who portrayed? What was the best on screen portrayal? I'm going to say Christian. I like Christian Bale. Like, that was my guy. You know what I mean? Listen, I don't care. Say what you want. Christian Bale. Here's my problem with Christian Bale. Go ahead. Not, speak Christian, on not, not the actor, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the Batman. Here's my problem right. with it. That Batman that you love was only Batman for two years of his life. Batman begins, he started, the Dark Knight picks up months later. He retires for like seven years, comes back for six months. He was only Batman for two seconds. <laughs> it was a rough two years, all right? It was a rough two years. Look, the problem I always had with Bale, number one, his I'm Batman is the worst. Wait, we're, not, we're not talking about performances. The, 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 like, what's on the page, the story? What's the best depiction? Because <sighs> the actors are going to do... I, and, and my thing against Bale is that he just wasn't Batman. His Bruce Wayne wasn't Batman long enough. And he also did something that I think Batman doesn't do, which is he was planning his exit strategy. Yep. Like he was too self-aware that he couldn't keep going as Batman. And he was looking for Harvey Dent to take over. And I think Batman does not believe Gotham could survive without him. That's his gift and his curse. And maybe that was the origins of it. Maybe Rachel dies and then he realizes he has to be Batman forever. No pun intended. But yeah, Bale's Batman to me. He just was, he was only Batman for two and a half years and then faked his death at the end. And like went to Italy to chill. And he's in his like 40s. He can still be Batman. Your Batman's in like Rome right now. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> but I respect your answer. Yeah, gentlemen. I've 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 been very conflicted with this one. Um, 
Christian Bale, like there's a lot of things that fall short for me. There's a lot of things that fall short. Those movies, I think we're gonna have a we're gonna need to have a conversation strictly about Batman movies. But for me, it comes down to there's only one guy that sticks out. That's Val Kilmer. But 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 to be fair, if you go back to those movies, those movies held up better than better than you think it will. But Absolutely. really my my I'm down to Michael Keaton. It's a tie between Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck. And Ben Affleck got a lot of heat. A lot of people gave him a hard time, but he looked right in the suit. He moved right in the suit. You know, well, now with now with Justice League, it, it, it just it just it, it worked for me. And he has yeah, a look. We're not, he looks we're like not talking performances. We're talking this. And, and, and here's my thing about Michael Keaton. He's not that first. Of all. all right, I'm with Jack. Batman don't kill. Right, he can kill. Michael Keaton strapped a bomb to a guy, and Batman returned, smiled, and chucked him in the sewer. like what in the world and then yeah and and his Bruce Wayne wasn't Bruce Wayne enough so I can't give it a Michael man I don't know man what was was going on in the comics at the time though like I I couldn't really honestly think I could answer that question was the the Batman was the Keaton Batman reflecting the comics of the time no what year was Death in the Family? Was that 1990? Death in the Family? No, that might have been early, uh, late 80s. But Batman in the comics at that time, if it was pre christ no, it's probably post-crisis. He's darker, but he's not... What I loved about Tim Burton's Batman is almost like Batman and Joker are almost the same. And he, he got two actors that kind of had a similar thing with Keaton and, and Nicholson. But in the comics, he's not, Bruce Wayne's not, his neurosis isn't crazy. You know, you're, you're opening an interesting can of worms there because there's almost two ways of looking at it. Um, who's, who's Bruce Wayne was most accurate? I'd when say I Batman, I mean, I got to go all of them. Like you got you to incorporate all the entities, the mask, the guy sitting in the cave, and then the guy at Wayne uh, at Wayne Tech or whatever. You guys well, you incorporate all You almost day. never see uh, athletes Batman sitting in a cave like that. You do see that with uh, Bells, and you have uh, ample opportunities to see that. You get athletes all in the cave. You don't see him. You don't, you don't see, see his him, Wayne persona. You but you don't see, because, you know, and we've talked about this before, there's, there's three Batmans. And two of the three are personas. That Affleck's Bruce Wayne does more detective work than all of them. Yeah. He literally goes to an underground fight club to plant something. Like he he does he doesn't do a lot of detective work. We don't get we and, and actually we do see his his Bruce Wayne, his like looking at the girl as she walks by and talking to Clark like do I own your paper? Like, oh, you're the other one. <laughs> yeah. He actually, my issue with his portrayal, like if he wasn't a vicious murderer, <laughs> he would that uses one. guns. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't a vicious murderer. I think it's hard from a movie standpoint to 
not have the vicious murders, even the campy ones. They're throwing people off cliffs and stuff, off buildings and stuff. I just think it's it's a movie trope where they just ignore that Batman doesn't kill, or Batman doesn't kill the main character, but Batman can kill the henchman he wants, and then they just overlook it. Except one. And here's my favorite on-screen depiction of Batman. Not my favorite movie, not my favorite actor. It's you. Val Kilmer. Oh, okay. I thought you thought you were going to go off and say George Clooney. I'm like, man, I am (laughs) done with this friendship. (laughs) Val Kilmer's Batman. He's dark in the mask. He's the only one that feels like a superhero. Like, when he shows up, you know he's here to save the day. His Bruce Wayne is this distant, rich, got Playboy guy and he walks in a room and it's like, he has that rich portrayal where he's just not aware of like, he probably doesn't know how much of, uh, milk costs. Like he seems unapproachable, that kind of rich. And then when he's in the cave, he's tormented. He's like, Alfred, I don't want Dick Grayson, Chris O'Donnell to live my life. I don't want this for him. I don't know who I am. Am I a Batman or my Bruce Wayne? And then by the end of the movie, he's like, I'm both. He's the only one's portrayal that deals with that and comes to the conclusion of I can be both. Both can survive. We're talking the script. I mean, that's all content of the script, right? We're not yeah. talking that what the, we're not necessarily talking what the actor is doing. We're talking about what the actor is doing with the content they have. Yeah. I'm not comparing actors. I'm comparing like which on-screen version best represents Batman, which yeah, comes down to the script and direction. And Val Kilmer's Batman doesn't kill anyone. He doesn't save Two-Face because he chooses to save Robin, I think. But he doesn't murderize people. Neither does George Clooney, FYI. Or Adam West. (laughs) (laughs) Does does, uh, Christian Bell kill anyone in the first film? Him saying... I don't, I don't have, have to save you. Excuse me. You're the reason why the train is crashing. <laughs> <laughs> so does that count as he might as well have killed him? But aside from that, he doesn't kill anybody, right? Kill yeah, anybody like, dude, League of Shadows, he's like, I won't sacrifice this guy's life. I'm just going to blow this whole place up. Well, that's fair. Like, a lot of people died in there. We don't know that. They were shadows. They, they jumped out of the windows. Uh, that's, uh, that's, they jumped that's out of the windows. You saw bodies flying. Yeah. Was it the bodies or was it debris? Let's come on. In, come on now. In the space, Ray Shagul definitely died. Because something landed on him. He's like, he not he thinks this through. Not Chris is right, man. It's this film trope that all these directors and, and studios think they can just kind of get away with doing whatever they want the, the content of these characters. Joel Schumacher didn't do it Val Kilmer or George Clooney. He made, that's the, that's the only time we see Batman like superhero. Hmm. It's campy. It has camp to it. But like, to me, that's the best, like, when I think of Batman and I see that, I'm like, yeah, that 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 the tone is different, but that's Batman. As a that's the problem I have with Nolan films is that they were great, but they didn't give me that superhero feel. So I get it. This is the first time they want to take Batman seriously, not be campy, but I think they they overdid that, and I didn't have that like. It's not a tangible thing. I can't tell you, but it's, I just didn't have that magical superhero feel. Feeling that I got when I watch yeah. other superhero movies. That's what I like. I did like about the 
Ben Affleck's Batman is there was a, a good blend of those elements. Yeah. So who's your favorite, Jack? Well, not favorite, but who do you think best represents what's on the page? Adam West. Okay. You know what? And you know what? I'll say this. If we're going to talk about best representation of Batman from comic books, you can find a comic book that is just like the Adam West series. If you go back to the 60s and, and, and the, the late 50s, you can find Batman and Robin like riding a ice cream cone rocket chasing after <laughs> Mr. Free. <laughs> That's Adam West. Um, okay, cool. Like, so Jack copped out on that answer. Jack got out of it. I like how you said it for me, though. So, okay, so the topic at hand, man, I have to say, this might be one, one of the best superhero cinematic experiences I've ever had. Invincible. I, I read the comic from beginning to end watched the series, knew things that might happen and things that did happen and was still on the edge of my seat. I mean, I, I envy, you know, Rich, you never read the comic and I was like, man, to be in your shoes and see this for the first time. Oh yeah, man. It was, it was great. It was, it was a, a, a treat. Each week had me on, on the edge of my seat. I was like, what's happening next week? Like I'm, I'm waiting for next season. I'm like, what's going to happen? So, so break down your experience, Chris. I want, I want to, I want you to go first since you, you, you came to this with the freshest eyes. Are like, we what, spoiler, spoilers on, on this? Everybody, we, um, we're reviewing this show. We're talking about the show in depth. So if you haven't seen it, dip out and come back into this part of the conversation because we're about to go spoiler heavy on Invincible in three, two, one. Rich, you got the freshest eyes. Um, we've read parts of the comic you haven't you going in first of all what when you watched it and at the end of the first episode you're like Omni-Man pretty much killed their Justice League like what went through your mind when you're seeing this I was just like what's happening like, like what what made him do this like was it was he under control of someone else like was he doing it on his own like was it because maybe you know, his son was getting power, so maybe he was trying to pave the way for him so that he's like him and his son can kind of like not rule the world, but like have that, have that, you know, that, that title, that, that superhero kind of uh, foothold mm. where the other ones were like in the way. So, yeah, that first episode, I was like, what? Well, you were like, you just, you, you didn't see yeah. coming. Yeah, I was like, what, what was the point? Of, what was going on? But, um, but yeah, but as as it kept on going, I was like, all right, uh, watching watching the sun like come into his powers, you know, trying to get a, a handle on everything, mm-hmm. and then you know the, the father you know, covering up his you know what he's what he's done. Like I feel like he, he might have gotten beaten up on purpose, so he can uh, kind of be like, you know, he can kind of be like, oh yeah, 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 you know, they got me, they kind of snuck up behind me and knocked me out or whatever, whatever. Yeah, but um, but yeah, when watching his son come into his powers and then learning from his pops, and then like watching his son fail, 
almost miserably at some certain points, like getting beat up and then trying to be like that superhero to save people and then just like getting people killed and property destruction. I was just like, man, this dude. <laughs> I don't know. Like, is he gonna get? Is he gonna get the hang of it? But um, you know, he eventually does, and I, how everything unfolds with with, with the pops, and then I mean, the end was just like the last episode was like, wow, yeah, man. I mean, come on, it was brutal. It was it brutal. Was I loved it. Yeah, I, I loved it. I loved it all. Um. What I love the most about the series is just that that you never lost the father and son love. You know, when I'm right. in, when Nolan has his mission, which is to conquer Earth, we figure that out. And no matter how brutal he is to Mark, you know he loves him in his own way. And everything in his being by the end of this, if you guys, you know, you guys should have watched it. And he's about to pummel his son. First of all, how sick it is. That as he knocks his son's teeth out, it reminds him of a memory when his son had no teeth, and it's like sweet. <laughs> like this is the brilliance of um, Robert Kirkman to take something so grotesque and still throw so much meaning and humanity in it. Um, I thoroughly and I love the details. Like flying isn't just you take off; like you have to think and think about your landing and your trajectory, or else you'll you'll keep going, or you won't have control. Like things that we love, they 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 put details on it. Um, when him and his father first go out, and his father's like, "Look at like you said, look at the property damage. Like you got to think about this stuff, not just about yeah. swooping in." Um, and uh, Chris, you said this on, on one of our previous episodes about how like coming into an established world and not knowing everything. And I think what Robert Kirkman did so well in the comic in this is he mirrors it, the superheroes we know. Like it resembles Justice League for a reason. He resembles Superman for a reason. It's almost like he's short tracking you to understand this world. And then you think you got it. And then you turn it upside and then you down. Don't. And then you don't. <laughs> and then you don't. It's such a campy, lighthearted, oh, daddy, I got my powers. And then bang, <laughs> bang, bang. Everything is upside down. Everything's different. I mean, for me, it was, I think we're spoiled now with the quality of content we're getting. Mm. And it makes it to the, this was so good that it makes it difficult for me to watch other things and enjoy it, to be honest with you. Wow. So yeah. it just sets the bar high. And I'm an invincible fan. Like even even like boiling it down to the art. Like so for me, when I get into a comic book, the the story and art go hand in hand and they're important to me. If the story's good but the art is trash, it's a hard time. I have a hard time getting immersed in the story. So I like the simple, like clean lines of invincible. And I think they did a fantastic job of transferring that to an animated world. And it just, it just, it just worked for me. And one of the things that I like about it was, you know, yes, it's R-rated content. And this is the problem I have like with Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn's an R-rated show, and I feel like they did gratuitous use of profanity or, or violence. Harley Quinn is dope. Wait, hold on. It, it's the Harley Quinn is all right. I like Harley Quinn, but I just feel like they use it too much just to remind you, hey, this is a show for adults. But mm-hmm. I feel like Invincible, when they were violent and when they, were, when they did stuff, 
it fit and it just it just worked with the story. And I just it just works me. I give it five stars, hands down. It's 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 really, 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 really good. Really good. Well, it's it's intentional, right? It's like we give you this super clean, campy superhero fun fair. Oh, but you're telling me when this godlike person throws a punch, it does make people like why wouldn't the person bleed after getting hit like that? So it's like taking this thing you're you're familiar with and putting like real life circumstances in. Yeah, if you crash land in the middle of Manhattan, Manhattan goes boom. Like that's what would happen. I think they did a really good job balancing that. Jack, let's say you. Chris is speaking to me. And I'll tell you what. He he hit the nail on the head so perfectly about what I love about this content. It is R rating. It's harsh, it's edgy, it's violent, it's graphic, but it all serves a point. It's not just for the sake of being graphic. It's not for the sake of being edgy. It's not for the sake of being controversial. It all serves the purpose of what's going on with these people and why it matters. And to have Mark, this freshly minted superhero, struggling so hard to be a hero, And I mean, literally failing on such profound levels. I mean, that scene where he's holding the woman's hand as the building. When everything's done, he's still holding the hand, but it's just an arm. And he's looking at his father like, just can't process. The other thing I love about the content is, is they have everyone doing logical things. That's when a show or a series or a character really betrays me really quickly. And I, I'll, I'll just kind of like talk on it is when people stop behaving logically. And we see Mark go through this whole series of trying to understand, and justify his father's actions. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. something must be wrong. This isn't the guy I know. Are they controlling you, dad? You know, he goes through this whole series of trying to make sense of something that you just can't make sense because it's not in his in the reality that he grew up with he gets into straight up denial he's like there's no yeah. way you didn't feel nothing for mom because he's like your mother was a pet to me he's like i don't believe you and it's almost like nolan has to beat belief into him it's like i'm gonna try and he, and he still is like i don't Mark, believe you think, think, oh man and okay we, we have to talk about the performances it just brought so much texture and depth to it man yeah. Um, Robert Kirkman said in an interview with Kevin Smith and Mark Bernard on Fat Man, on Batman, no, Fat Man Beyond, they changed their name, excuse me. Go check them out. That is an awesome podcast. After listening to us, of course. Um, of course. He, talk, he said that he made Invincible when he was like 23 years old, when he wrote the comic, or 25. So now, what, like 15 years later almost, 12 years later, he went back in and finessed stuff and, and updated stuff. And I mean, the diversity, you know, in the yeah. comics, Mark's girlfriend is a, a blonde haired, blue eyed white girl in the comics. That was his girlfriend in the comic. Amber was a white girl. And at the t- in the comic at that time, it's like, this is, you know, the most popular girl in school, the most beautiful girl. That was a depiction. And now Robert Kirkman updating it. He's like, the world's much more diverse. Um, we've already been shown beauty is more than just the trope we've seen. And by giving him a black Amber, but not just making Amber black, but giving him 
a black Amber. Like there's things about her in her dress and her the way she talks is very specific. It just makes the world that much more um, in depth. And the fact that, you know, you cast these actors, Invincible's half Asian. He's Asian American, where in the comic book, he's not. Uh, his mother is white. Yeah. And the art isn't that different. It's really the casting of the voices that lets you know, you know, oh, um, so the fact that he's that, it just, and why would, and it doesn't change anything. Why wouldn't he be? And then his friend William, who's gay, he comes out in the comics. You don't even know he's gay in the comics because at that time coming out was a big deal. Now kids are out early high school. It's, it's no big deal to have a gay friend in high school now. Sometimes so Robert, that. Right. So Robert Kirkman, he wasn't so married to his graphic novel. He wasn't willing to update certain things about this world, which I think is, I mean, you know, it's very evolved to, to yeah. have occurred to do that. You know, what's funny about it is, and, and watching it though, it feels so completely faithful to the base content. Like yeah. don't really, it doesn't, doesn't take, it didn't take me out at all of the little changes. And, and it actually really helped that the art was so spot on to matching. Yeah. Page for page, it was like such the same. Art, the same artist from the comics was like their their supervisor or, or, or producer of that. So he he knew what made it work. Um, and yeah, I think it's it a very special show. And now you know, reading the comics from start to finish, like volumes of volumes, just knowing like where this can go, like where it can end up. Oh my god. They can do this for 10 seasons if they want to. Absolutely. And the content is so good. And and since it's not, you know, Superman, they can do whatever they want with these characters. They can, like, Game of Thrones this bad boy and just kill somebody. And it's like, oh, that's not supposed to happen. Well, we can't hear. Um, They don't need to. I mean, just kind of sticking to the, the ballpark bullet points of what's already going on but they, but they did like the guardians of the globe in regular form were not supposed to just be destroyed like that like that is against like superhero rules you can't tell yeah. me that justice League just gets locked oh, out yeah, yeah, I mean yeah. that not 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 changing it but with what he already did yeah um, and oh my god i can't wait for season two knowing where man. Yeah, yo, rich man, you gotta pick up the comment. Here's the other thing that's interesting about it, though, is having read the comic, dude, it did not spoil at all my enjoyment of watching the series. I was on, I watched that last episode twice, back to back. Literally finished it, started right back over. I was, I was. I was yelling. I was in the living room <laughs> yelling at how good I was. Loving. I had to pause it just to like yell at Eureka going, Eureka, this is the best content. <laughs> what? And then I would play it again. It was just that good. Can we talk about the first battle where Mark, you know, the, the, the main force comes in, Mark fights them, and then after he fights them, He's having a panic attack because as superhero fans, like us here, probably our listeners, we've all envisioned ourselves how we would react if we, if we had powers and we were superheroes. 
And I think showing him having a hard time and having Eve tell him, you know, just say one that makes a difference. I mean, you think that's how you'd react? Like, you think, okay, I'm going to go in and go this battle, but people are dying. Things happen. There's real-world consequences. Mm-hmm. How are you going to deal with that? How are you going to deal with that when you're out of the uniform? I think this show, like, really showed, you know, really showed us. I want to see what your guys' take is on it because for me, it, like, really placed me as if I was Mark in that scenario and how I would feel after, like, damn, I did all this and now these, even though I did my best, it still wasn't good enough. Right. I mean, because what he did so well is you saw how naive he was before he got his powers. Like he was us. Like, I can't wait to get these and I'm going to be just like my dad. I'm going to be the best superhero and not even thinking of the burden of it. Um, I, I, you know, I love these consequences. I, I love when the mask or the cape is heavy. Like you don't just put it on. So I love that stuff. I, I couldn't agree more. You know what's funny about it is watching it, it felt more human than watching some of these live action things. And it's because what we keep saying is it's, it was the consequences of what was happening. It wasn't because he didn't know how to use his powers that was freaking him out. It was that there was another human's blood on me and this doesn't happen every day and I'm not used to this. And how do you deal with seeing someone alive one second and dead the next? And the, this content earned all those choices they made. It's like they, it wasn't frivolous. Nothing was frivolous. When someone died, even if it was random or I didn't know that person or I didn't know that person, I was affected by it. And it's exactly what you said in the other, the last cast, Lawrence, about um, the thing about what didn't necessarily work for you about Wonder Woman and the Snyder Cut. It's like, okay, fine. So she kills someone. That's no big for her. But what about everyone else who just went through that event? Horrifying. Horrifying. You know, and we saw that in Invincible. We saw just how horrifying it is to be around a bunch of people who are obliterated and their guts are everywhere. You know, I'm affected because they're responding authentically. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like when he when he when he saved that um that old woman, or at least attempted to save her. Yep, and like she was pretty much broken from that, and then he that was kind of like sticking to it to his soul after the fact. He was kind of it was kind of weighing heavy on him after he brought her to the hospital and they they brought her back or whatever they nursed her back to health. But it was, no, he had to he had to be talked talked back up into being a superhero at that point. Yeah, because even when um, yeah, sorry, keep going, sorry. Yeah, because it was because I mean, because like you said, you know, like we all be like, oh yeah, when I get my superpowers, I'll be, you know, I'll be that guy just saving everyone and just stand and throw. But it, you can't just simply snatch someone out of the air. You know, there's there's rules to this. You know, you're gonna break their bones if you're not careful with it. <laughs> it's physics. That's right. Yeah, there's a physics to it, and I even liked him being. You saw him deal with the physical ramifications, the blood on him, this battle where he's the strongest one, but he's being, he's not smart enough to fight it. But then you saw when he asked his dad, this guy, that that criminal who could put like rock skin, remember him? And he asked him to go for help. And his dad was like, don't mess with that. That's small scale. He's like, I'm going to help him. But he's not street smart yet either. And he all and, he, and that that, yeah. that 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 lion dude that just loves war, yeah, yeah, he should have died. 
I mean, yeah. he was almost responsible for his whole team dying because he's also not street smart yet. He's also not wise enough to know when he could get played or he's too arrogant to think that. So you think you and your dad are the strongest here. You think that, that that naive, that naivete being, being questioned. So I loved all those, those elements. Anytime you get to see like, it's a Peter Parker type, right? He's just, this mask is just, I, and he wants to give it up at one point. He's like, I just want to go to college. I don't want to deal with this anymore. Yeah. So they put in like every superhero trope that we love, but put so much like details on it that it was like, we live for this. Yeah, but it, it's they infused the thing with humanity. And that's yeah. what kind of worked about it, you know? Yeah. Like even you know what's so funny about that that scene, you know, when the when the lion dude's just <laughs> decimating everybody, uh, specifically him too. It, th- there's love in the end of the scene, you know, when the dad is weird love though because it's like uh, it's it's that I need to know if my son's gonna make the cut, so I'll let him. If he dies, he dies, I guess, because that's that's how we're all born into this thing. That's his, his, you know, truth, but he also loves the son. So he's like, I'll get season four, you know, we see him on that line. What did you guys think in, in rich, um, you didn't read the comic, but you can jump in. What did you guys think about some of the differences and they're subtle, but like in the comic, you see what Nolan does in the beginning. But after that in the comic, he doesn't come off shady. He doesn't come off on edge until like he fights invincible pretty much. Where in the show, you see him grasping with what he has to do, going from warm to cold throughout. What did you guys think about that change? Did you like it or would you prefer it more like the comic where he kills those guys and he's back to kind of world that's dead until the battle? I liked it because I think that's how he would have been. Even though he says those things about the mother being a pet, you know, without going too far into the mythos of what's going on, what's going to happen, looking at the information we have now in the thing, he disregards the mother. He still loves Mark. And he knows what he's, what he's doing even though inside he thinks it's the right thing to do, he knows it will negatively affect his son. And I think it would it would eat him up inside knowing that. Mm. And I think he does, you know, even though he, he, he puts down humanity, you know, he does have friendships with, you know, with the guy who makes the, the I forgot his name, the guy yeah. who makes the, the suits. Yeah. yeah, he does have these friendships with these people. And I think it would weigh heavily on him. To, to do that. So I think it was a right move to show that eating him inside out. I think it, I think it was the right move to do it. I think it added to his character development. It added to his story. And uh, for me, it worked. Yeah. Like yeah. He almost had to distance him. Once Mark got his powers, he almost had to like forcefully distance himself from people because he knows what has to happen. Well, the other thing, you talk about the quality of experience, right? It's like, and they did a really good job of saying, listen, man, you're going to live for hundreds of years. This is a spec. This is a a spec on your overall experience. But what they did such a good job was, is that you could tell he was 
almost trying to convince himself throughout the entire process. Another big difference is in the comics, Rich, the mother isn't in on it. Like, she doesn't know anything about his involvement with killing the, the, the Guardians. Like, the demon dude doesn't visit her. She's pretty much in the dark until I mean, I'm gonna fighting. Real quick. I mean, I already told you. I might have told you. I probably didn't. But I did, um, did watch a quick YouTube video at one point. I thought it was just on Mike. Gave, gave me, like, a quick synapsis, if you will. So Jeez, I kind of, yeah, I didn't, I didn't read it all. Like even so, I would still go back and read the actual comic and, you know, see how it all unfolds. Cause it was like a real, just like a quick 10 minute of like everything from the beginning to end. Yeah. But, okay, um, Lewis, but yeah. how did you feel about that difference in the mom? Whereas in the comic book, you know, the mother, she didn't know anything. And yeah. so she saw them fighting and heard him say, she means nothing to me. Right. Where in the show, she's putting the pieces together. Which version did you guys like better? The, the shock and the broken woman of I had no idea or the version of something's off and then getting more evidence. I mean, I feel like I feel like even though like she she kind of was putting it together, she was still still shocked to hear it all unfold and like actually come from his mouth like you know this is this is how I truly feel or at least this is you know how I'm going to convey how I feel about about you and, and this world whereas you know I mean I get, I get I get the comic would be you know you didn't know nothing at all then that shock would hit you even harder but the fact that she because she was kind of struggling with it she was still trying to in a, in a, in a cartoon she was still trying to um like Make it not be true, if you will. Yeah. Like, she was, she was still struggling with it, regardless. And even if he wants to murder everyone, surely not me or my friend. Right. Surely, like, at least we matter. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jack and Chris, which one did you, like, which version did you favor more? You know, uh, you know how the, the animated series felt to me was kind of like... Um, they just really kind of flushed out everything that was already working so well. So those little changes didn't feel like a big diversion to me. Uh, like, like it didn't feel like it was going in a different direction than it was already going. It's just flushed out in a way where everyone got to be a little more logical and plausible and let's give her a little more development. Of course, she's going to, be feeling like the energy and the relationship is off, but what is that about? You know? Mm-hmm. So it is, so I would say the, the animated series, if I yeah. are comparing the comic to the series, what did I think was more effective? Both are really good and really effective, but they let these people be people in all of the situations. And that's what it just kept getting me. I'm like, man, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Chris? Yeah, I mean, it, it just, it gave me the character development I needed. I think it built the show for me. You know, it gave more depth to these, you know, these other characters that play a huge portion in why our main protagonist is the way he is. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it just works for me. I think it was well thought out, well written. And it was, I don't see it as necessarily a deviation from the source material. It was just an expansion. So where, you know, this was happening 
maybe not the way they showed it, but you know, Nolan's internal struggle was happening, but we don't get to see it in every panel of the comic. But I think I it's it assume that he's having a hard time with this. And I think yeah. it's 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 if they're giving us what already happened in the comic book already happened in the comic book, but may have happened off panel and it develops a story from yeah, that's such a good point. That's too. a good point, and I think that type of enhancement makes it so people who have read the comic we get we get even more food to eat. Like we're rewarded for reading the comic now. That oh, you know these characters. Now let's go even further with them instead of it just being a because we've seen animated movies where it is almost like a panel by panel perfect rehashing. And for me, when I watch it, it's not as great of an experience because my imagination filled in blanks in that comic that you guys can't capture. But if exactly. you it and add to it, then it's like, wow, you have old viewers and new viewers like having an amazing experience at the same time. Um, but yeah, go but ahead. It didn't feel like, it didn't feel like um, and we see this happen all the time when stuff is getting translated to cinema or uh, television or cartoons like Walking Dead had a lot of diversions at, uh, after a while and almost started feeling like an entirely different content you know yeah. and, then, and then you really sit there and you have to have that that debate well what was working for you um, you know John Barthol's character is is dead within the first comic isn't he First, yeah, first, very, very beginning. Yeah, he died. Bane does not make it to the farm. Spoiler alert. Yeah. For I mean, a 15-year-old comic. Yeah, for a 15-year-old comic. Yeah, no, he, he dies in the first comic. And yet he's, uh, and yet they liked his, his character work so well in the series, he ended up being in the entire first season and well into the second. Yeah. Which I thought it created really, it created a totally different dynamic that worked on a lot of levels and didn't work for me on a lot of levels for the cinematic version of it. Um, but, but Invincible wasn't like that. It wasn't like they went so far left that the content just became different, you know? No, it was just like the writer got a chance to do a rewrite. Like the writer of that material got a chance to go in and say, well, what would I like to do? Now, yeah. here's my question to you guys. You're Robert Kirkman. Amazon's giving you an animated series. Probably hands off like a mug. It's an animated series. Do what you want to do. We got the boys over here. We're doing all right. Seth Rogen and his team are doing the live action Invincible film. It's a movie. More money are in place. More hands in the pot. Do you... I wonder... I think what's special about the animated series is that since it's probably animated, there wasn't that many people trying to get into his kitchen. And I'm very curious to what the live action version will look like when you have so much money on the line, the suits are going to have wants and needs. And I don't know how you top what they did. I don't think there's, well, here's, here's how you or, you're already off uh, at a deficit. They're creating a film version of content. The reason why this content works so well is you had time to develop it. You had time for the stories. You had time for the relationships. You had time for the consequences. How does how does eight episodes of content translate into two and a half, three hours worth of content? Do they have a target rating for this, for the movie? 
Of course, it's going to be hard. It has to be hard. Because if it's not, unless unless you think they're going to they're going to water it down and do for for merchandising purposes. Nah, this is this has got to compete with. This is a Deadpool Logan rating. No question. If it was was anyone else that wasn't Seth Rogen's team, I would say that. But I don't see Seth Rogen going out of his way to make a PG thirteen version. No. And 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 it, you know this content content like this is coming out for people like us. It's our age. It's our demographic. It's it's this is the content we want to see. We no, we don't want to go see Invincible where there's no blood and there's no. Yeah. They're real people, you know. And it's their way of going. And I think that's why the boys works. It's like we're going to be the opposite of what you enjoy watching in the MCU. Like that's how we survive by being as different as possible. And I think, I think there's a story there. If you can do a movie on Invincible, you'd have to fade out the world. But you, if you're able to get even more in Mark and in, in being this kid that wants to be like his dad, uh, the expectations, and, and we just really zero in on the father-son relationship and let that be the driving force. I think you'll have something that will be enjoyable and different, but still represent. Because that, you know, with the series is great, but it's still the world's huge. Yeah. And you can sell some heroes out there, but if you just focus on that father-son thing, you can get a strong two hours, man. That, that That's some heartbreaking, heartbreaking well, the, stuff. The core of it's there, no question. Yeah. My question, you know, here's the other thing that works so well about the the animated series. The casting is incredible. The casting yeah. is incredible. The voice acting yeah. is just incredible. Yeah. Every single one of them. I'm like, you got yeah. who for what? They're, Seth Rogen's great as the, the little that, alien. Yeah, Alan, yeah, yeah. You know, the other thing is so funny. Alan's great, yeah, but it's like every single one of the characters when I was watching it, felt like how I heard them when I was reading it. Yes. It was yeah. like, they were the voices in my head when I was reading yeah. it like 10 years ago. That's how yeah. effortless it was. And yeah. I don't know how you capture that in film when you put real people there. Does that translate? Does that translate? I think you have to almost not translate it. Like go out your way to approach the same interior from such a different angle that you're not going to try to be the experience you got reading it. It's like, you you can't. So if they focus, if they do what Superman and Lois is doing, highly recommend you guys watching it so we can see it. Do that. And, you know, make it a little bit more fun because there's a, there's a, there's a campy funness to Invincible. But go that route. Like, ex- expand the brand so we have to watch all of it. Um, we're almost out of time here, guys. Uh, any final thoughts about Invincible? I, I think it's safe to say we're giving it five out of five stars. Yeah, definitely, without a doubt. It's best content out there. It's yeah, best superhero content out there. Yeah, five out of five. That's a bold statement, but I, I back it up. Always a good chat. Always a good chat. You can find me on social media. I'm L. St. Vic on Instagram. Rich, where are you at on social media? Oh, Critical IV on IG. And, um, you know, watch out for the, the fan-dedicated IG. Just for y'all. Yes, sir. Chris, where are you at? Uh, Way Bad Trad. W-A-Y-B-A-D-S-R-A-D. 
on Instagram. That's it. That's all I'm giving up until you guys are getting <laughs> Jack. Uh, yeah, my Instagram is super Byron, B-Y-R-O-N, X4. Nice. And Chris, where can they find our dedicated Instagram page to this podcast? Yep. Three brothers and a shot of milk at Instagram. Exactly the way it shows up in your, uh, whatever your device you're streaming it. That's it. And you'll, you'll get updates. You'll get some exclusive content and, uh, just keep watching out. We're going to have a lot more coming to you guys. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Here's three brothers and a shot of milk. Signing out. Peace.